The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Some active listening here, some receiving, even just as we read out passages, it's the Word of God. So I can literally just read words off a page, or you can have your hands open and be like, yes, I want this, I want to catch what God's doing. Um, I'm just going to pray again. God, would you come and just fill our hearts? Thank you that you fascinate us with the gospel. You, you just blow my mind time and time again. Whenever we come together on my own, Lord, you blow my mind with the grace of God, with the goodness of God. And I pray you'll do that for individuals here today, Lord. For whatever we, we have to say, Lord, would you just drop into individual hearts things that matter, truth that just lasts and that grows and that, that, so that we can abide in you. And truth for us as a church as well, so that we can experience you more. Holy Spirit, come for, fill this room, continue to talk to us. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to be continuing this morning our Abide series. So we're going to be in the book of John. Uh, we're going to be specifically John 16, and we're going to pick up where Sam wonderfully left off last week, verse 5 to 17. So if you've got a Bible, do encourage you, keep it open for the morning. Let the Word of God speak to your soul. And let's um, read it together. If you don't have a Bible, it should be coming up on the screens behind us. Amazing. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and speak it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said, all that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. A little while and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while and you will see me. Amazing. So we could just stop there. Should the band come back up? I'm in the glory. Um, just recap. So we're in, the, we're in the Abide series, looking at Jesus' last words to his friends, his disciples. So Paul Mann's kicked off the series in John 13. And what does Jesus do in this last moment? He's got, there's a meal before them, the Last Supper, and he gives 12 smelly men a pedicure. He washes their feet. And then he just, Judas leaves, and we know what he's going to do. He's going to sell Jesus for a few coins, and then he gives some final teachings. And you can imagine the disciples just listening on the edge of their seats. Like, these are his final words, his final teachings. We see that this is the Son of God. And he's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And, they, and it's, it feels like a final, like, yes, I'm with you. 
we're with you, we're 110% in. And then Jesus says this in the passage we just read. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, it is better that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, it's better that I go. They're like, what? You're here. We can touch you. What? Why, why would it be better? See, the whole ministry of Jesus is, is building up to this very moment that his death and resurrection and ascension to the Father, the gospel, this is, God's got a big plan. And the disciples can see this little window here, but Jesus sees the full picture. They can't see it yet. And it feels like the, the moment kind of God says that I'm sending the helper and then he goes and starts the walk to the cross, it's like there's a plan that's set into action. It puts into motion God's master plan. Once available from town to town, you know, person to person, Jesus coming, getting off a boat, visiting this town, it's one-to-one. Now, soon, it's going to be available. Soon, it's going to be global. It's going to be international. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, anyone, anytime, anywhere, 24-7, can know and be filled with the Spirit of God. You see this, don't you, in in Acts, if you've read the book of Acts, there's a day where the, the Holy Spirit comes very clearly. It's called the day of Pentecost. And you get the same group of men who are scared and baffled and confused. And they go from being bold. They go, they go to being bold. They go from being like sorrowful and looking inwards to looking outward and being full of joy and looking up to God. They go from being doubtful to full of faith. It's like one nation, one place to many nations, many languages, many people. I'm getting excited already. It's good, isn't it? So good. So obviously Jesus in this passage, he's talking to his disciples and he's telling them, this is what's coming. And as as Janaire said, (laughs) they're a bit baffled by this. But we now are reading this 2,000 years later and we get to pick up this incredible passage and know that we're living in the good of this now. If you have given your heart to Jesus this morning, you are living in the good of being filled with his spirit. Now, don't we all want to touch and see Jesus? I often, in my times of worship, just imagine I'm reaching out and just touching his feet or looking into his eyes. And church, one day we're going to get to do that. Oh boy, are we going to get to do that. But isn't it incredible that Jesus says in the passage, it is better for us now that the person of the Holy Spirit will be sent to us. It is better for us now that we have the very presence of God living in us. We heard a couple of weeks ago in John 14, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, we, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, our Trinity God, we will come to him and make our home within him. We haven't even got onto our three points yet, but we just want us as a church to get excited again about the truth that he lives in us. He lives in us. And just pause before we get going this morning. I ask you, do you know him? Do you know the person of the Holy Spirit? Do you know him? Do you walk with him, talk with him, invite him daily into your life? It's a challenge for us all. So we're going to pull out three things this morning. A teaching of what Jesus speaks to us about who the Holy Spirit is and the work that he does. So let's dive straight in. Number one, he is our helper. 
Now, the Greek word here, I had to do a bit of digging around, I'm probably saying this wrong, is parakletos. This is the word Jesus uses. And actually, there's so many different translations of this word. But um, it's great they're up there. I just thought I'd name a few because it just brings different facets of what Jesus is trying to explain to us here. So he's our counsellor, our helper, our comforter, our advocate, our encourager, our friend, just to name a few. And just remind us again, he is a person who's a spirit. There's nothing else like this. He walks alongside us, but yet he dwells in us. It is incredible. So how does he help us? I'm just going to list through a few and allow these truths to just soak into your hearts. The Holy Spirit, he opens our hearts to Jesus. He brings salvation. He brings us alive to Christ. He helps by setting us free from our sin and our chains and to set our minds on Christ. He is our wonderful counsellor. I've felt this so many times in my life. He knows all things, yet he's acquainted in all of our ways. He speaks wisdom to us. He gives us the gifts of discernment. He's our comforter. He's your comforter, our very present help in time of need. He affirms and he seals our adoption as children. He gives us faith. He fills us with power and boldness to go and witness And then the last thing I just want to call to mind this morning that just got me over the last month or so. He shows us the holiness of God. He could be called the power spirit because he's so powerful, but he isn't. He could be called the love spirit because he is love, but he isn't called that. He's called the Holy Spirit. And one of the main ways he helps us is he draws us to the holiness of God. Let me just say um, a guy called Jonathan Edwards on this. Listen to this. The true mark of a spirit-filled Christian is one who is drawn to the holiness of God. This is truly a work of the Holy Spirit. And this understanding of him drawing us to the holiness of God just kind of sets in as a foundation for what we're going to speak about um, in the next point. But just remember, cling on to that. He is our helper who helps lead us to the holiness of God. I'm going to read this quick account. I'm not going to do the accent, though. See if you can guess where it's from. The Spirit began to be outpoured. There was weeping, shouting, crying out, joy and brokenness. God's presence seemed to fill the air. Many were prostrated with conviction. Others cried for mercy and many were so filled with the Spirit. They pleaded with the Lord to stay his hand. Some would shout out, no more Lord or I'll die. This was the beginning of the Welsh revival. So we've just looked at he's our helper. What does it look like when we're attracted to the holiness of God? He's actually the one who convicts. First and foremost, We are blind without knowing about the holiness of God and the wondrous gift of grace and the fact that we need to come to him. So just in the passage, this little point here, the Holy Spirit convicts the world concerning sin. I know we know this, but it's amazing. Maybe this is the first time, maybe you've never heard this before. We have a first-time conviction. If you don't know Jesus, when I didn't know Jesus, when I was a sinner, when I was lost, I had an initial conviction of like, bing, the lights went on. 
And then ongoing, as a Christian, we walk in it, don't we? Ongoing conviction, ongoing repentance. Yes, God, I'm with you. I'm sorry. Help me. Change me to be more like you. When I first came to Jesus, the gospel was preached. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How did I receive that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I once was blind, but now I see. I see. What do I see? I had a revelation in that moment of the holy, perfect, spotless God. His righteousness. But at the same time, I have a realisation of my own wrongdoing and my sin. And he does this to root out what's always been in mankind's heart since Adam and Eve, the fall of man, sinful nature, drawing us away from a truly loving God, saying, come this way, maybe I can, maybe I can do my own thing. Satan sort of schemes and lies and we rebel against God and we think, maybe I, I know better. Before salvation, we're hopelessly lost and enslaved to this world. Sin makes us blind. That's why when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings conviction in the midst of our, our sin and mess and it's like a beautiful awakening. It's so, like suddenly we go from a world that's just entirely grey to black and white. There's definition, there's clarity. I see, I have a realisation that ultimately sin leads to death and that God leads to life. It's like a car heading off a cliff. The music might be blaring. I'm having a great time. There might even be drinks flowing. But if I realise where the car's going... Suddenly, I want to steer away from where it's headed. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He shows us in compassion. The helper comes, he rushes in, he reveals truth in our hearts and the sobering yet rich truth that God is holy, he can't be near our sin, but that Jesus is the only way, the truth and the life. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, this could be a wonderful time to just say, God, I want to know you more. There'll be people to pray with afterwards, but maybe it's just a simple prayer. God, I want to know you more. And he will reveal yourself to, to you. So like Janelle said, we repent initially when we give our life to Jesus. But actually, as spirit-filled, Jesus-loving followers, this is part of our walk with him, right? Ongoing, just revelation of the holiness of God. Ongoing conviction of sin. And it's a beautiful thing because it just draws us back on the path over and over again. The Holy Spirit helps us to hate sin and not just the consequences of sin. And as Christians, we are called to build a strong relationship between the Holy Spirit convicting into our hearts and welcoming that in. And then at the same time, just constantly having a response that's repentant and just open and, God, I need you, I want you. It's this sanctifying, sanctifying process, right? Allowing him to continually undo us as we become more and more like him. Just learning to hear his voice in those small nudges. So practically, what does this look like? We're all on different journeys. It will look different for all of us. But Janelle, what does this look like for you practically? Uh, I've just noticed I spoke about when I had a lights on moment. And then now as a Christian, I'm abiding in him. I feel like my appetite has changed. Can anyone else relate to that? My appetite for what I know does me good. As I'm connected to the vine, if we keep with that image of being a branch on the vine, sin becomes more sour. I sort of realise it for what it is. And I realise how precious and worthy Jesus is. And I think, I want that. I want him. 
It brings me life. My heart for other people grows. I might not even like them, but suddenly I learn to love them because that's what the kingdom of God tells me. It's like, well, even down to what I watch and listen to, I think, is it doing me good? Is it doing my heart good? I'm choosing integrity, and I'm not perfect, but it's, this is the word sanctification. We're all on a journey, right? It's like, even down to the things that no one else cares and sees about, the things I don't have to tell you about, the things that I can even keep secret from Joe, actually, God knows my heart. He sees my heart, and I, I want to please him. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful process. It's really good. Stick with us. It does get better, I promise. <laughs> so the second point on this uh, thing of the Holy Spirit bringing conviction says this in the passage. He will bring conviction concerning the righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. So when the helper has helped undo us and convict us of sin, this is a vital first step. So we stand or maybe kneel before a holy God and then he lifts our head to see the Son of God standing there in all his resurrection righteousness. And Jeanette talked about going from grey to black and white and now we see the righteousness of Christ come in and it's like this multicolour of glory and purity and honour. Jesus in bodily form he ascends to heaven so that the Holy Spirit can come and shine the righteousness of Jesus Christ into every single heart that accepts him as Lord. No wonder Jesus said it's better that I go that I might send a helper to reveal righteousness. Now, this looks different for each of us because he knows us and he knows what different revelations we need. Thinking about Isaiah and even Peter in the Bible, they needed like a, whoa, God, you are holy. I'm crumbled on the floor. And then Jesus lifts their head and says, come, follow me. And they stand up and they walk. And for others, it's maybe more gentle, just this unpeeling of layers gradually. So we see the righteousness of Jesus. Sometimes it's actually through one another as we call out sin and the Holy Spirit uses us to love one another well and call out stuff in each other's life. Actually, sometimes then the righteousness of Jesus is able to be revealed as we work alongside other people. So however it looks, the helper, he speaks to our souls and he says, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. The only one worthy, the pure, the spotless, the righteous one. If you are in Christ, you are clothed in his righteousness. This is basic truth, but it's so good to remind ourselves again. We are clothed in his righteousness. Can you see the beauty of this order? Can you see the, the vitality of this gospel story that we need to be undone? in order to see our need for Jesus and to throw ourselves on the righteousness of Jesus over and over again. Just to finish this bit up, there's an incredible, slightly oldie English wordy quote from George Whitfield. I think it's going to come up. Just listen to this. This and this only, a poor sinner can lay hold of as a sure anchor of his hope. Whatever other scheme of salvation men may lay, 
I acknowledge I can see no other foundation whereon to build my hopes of salvation, but on the rock of Christ's personal righteousness imputed to my soul. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just, we ask you to keep coming right now. Thank you, you're in us. I ask that you, as we just continue to teach your word, you would just bubble up truth inside of us. Warm our hearts towards your holiness again and again, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Just on that point, I feel like as we've been talking about, just we've been speaking out truth, even just reading the passage. Has he been tugging on your heart a little bit? Is there anything, is there any corners that God can't get to? The Bible, there's a psalm that talks about search and know my heart. See if there's any offensive way in me. Maybe you just want to pray that now under your breath as we carry on. We're going to have a response time at the end, but I don't want any hidden areas from you, Jesus. I don't want to hold things back because they just fester and keep me from the life that you've got for me. Keep drawing us closer to you, Holy Spirit. Just the last point on this convicting the world. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and concerning judgment for the ruler of this world will be judged. The Holy Spirit will work throughout the world to constantly remind all who oppose Christ that they are subject to judgment. Ultimately, that judgment is going to start with Satan, the enemy himself, but it extends to all who choose over this world. And just think it's helpful to remember that there is an end point, that when we go to, if we're in him, we'll go to be with him. And if we're not, we've chosen our way. And that is a horrible, terrifying, sobering truth that actually we need to turn to him. We need to turn to Jesus. So finally, uh, he's the spirit of truth. So we've looked at helper. Are you with us? We know it's hot and muggy. He's our helper. He's our convictor. And now our final point that Jesus draws out, he is the spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for what he will take is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So just remind you, like we said at the start, he is a person. He is a person who walks alongside us. Do we know him? Are we allowing him to be our guide? Jesus is so clear here. He will guide you into all truth. He will do that, and we get to choose whether we step into that guidance or not. And uh, every morning, or most mornings, I try and just picture him sitting on the end of my bed as I wake up, and it's tired, and maybe the kids have been waking up at night, or we've had a late night with Connect Group, or whatever it is. And actually, I try and picture him there. He's sitting they're writing. And the, the scripture says he's been bearing witness. The Spirit of God bears witness to the Father and the Son seated on the throne. And as he's bearing witness, he's also very present with me. So that he's saying, Joe, come on, wake up. Wake up. I've got stuff to share with you. I've got truth to speak to you. Get your Bible, girl. Get in the living room and we are gonna, we're going to look at some truth together. And how many times do I just think and snooze? <laughs> or, ah. Oh, I wonder what's going on on Instagram. It is sobering. Or look at the BBC News, just to wake myself up. And suddenly we filled our mind with all that truth or rubbish. 
And actually, the one who is truth, who's ready to declare truth to us, we so easily ignore or push to the side. Yeah. Uh, just, just a thing about, like, we're declaring truth here. When Paul Mann comes to speak, when Sam, when we hear Natalie preach or worship songs tell us about truth, it's all good and God can come and meet us. But I can tell you about drinking water and about what it does and how good it is for me. But until we take hold of it and have it for ourselves, and it's the same with the Bible, I can tell you there's a restaurant is really good, but until you sit down and you order something and you say, what do I think of this? And you have a taste for yourself and just feel like it's like second-hand experience or first-hand experience. And we talk about it like head knowledge, don't we, or heart knowledge. I love it where it says, he will guide you into all the truth. It's beautiful, isn't it? It's like we call this journey the longest journey, the 18-inch journey from our heads to our hearts. When, the, when we read the Bible, when we take hold of it for ourselves, it might be hard, I might have questions, but he reveals it. There's truth. It feels like there's a highlighter that comes up and I go, oh, yeah, I get it for myself. Suddenly it clicks. So as Christians, just as we wrap up, we have been given his word, right? And we've been given his spirit. So let's use them. Let's take hold, like Janelle was saying, of the gifts that God has given us for life and godliness. And yes, use them. We were made to read the word in the power of the Holy Spirit. We were made to know the Holy Spirit with the words of truth that just infuse all he is, all Jesus is, all the Father is. So let's be those that grab hold of the Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, fill me daily, moment by moment. Let's be those that grab hold of the Word. It's hard. It's hard to read sometimes. You have to give it time. Grapple with it. But allow the Holy Spirit to let you come expectant to the Word and reveal. So how does this look just really practically? How do we take hold of truth in these moments? Well, some of it might look like coming on a Sunday gathering, like this morning, for example, um, for us, it was a bit tricky this morning. The kids were kind of <laughs> being loud and shouting and not putting their shoes on. And we're kind of thinking about this morning. And we kind of wrestle up to church. And we can feed ourselves with, oh, I'm stressed. Oh, maybe I should have just laid in. But no, we get the opportunity to say, no, I'm here. This is my family. This is my body that I'm part of. And I am going to give Jesus glory no matter what's going on. And start to just speak truths. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn. We fix our mind on Jesus Christ, just speaking truth, making it real for ourselves. And Becky gave a beautiful example this morning of actually as we fill ourselves in the week, we come and we're made to be a blessing that outpours to others. We're made, I know Becky, sorry to embarrass you, Becky, but I know she's a woman who is filled with the Spirit and loves the Word of God and lives it out. So actually, did you hear when she was able to just spur out truth after truth after truth, didn't it do us good? And we're made to do that. I'd encourage us, think, every person has something to bring if you love Jesus. We're called to step into spiritual gifts that build us up, glorify Jesus, and overflow out into the church. Just on that point, it, the Bible actually describes us, the church, as the priesthood of all believers, which basically means that the bar is we're all equal. It's not that Sam has a special spirit, we're all equal. It's not that Sam has a special spirit of truth and he declares extra truth. It's like we all have the same spirit of truth. You have something to bring. So that's permission. That's like it's a free-for-all. We have the spirit of truth in us. Amazing. So this is, this is true on Sunday mornings. It's also true in life at night when we're on our own. 
and we wake up and we're fearful and lonely, the spirit of truth is with us. And we can speak truth to ourselves. I do not have a spirit of fear. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Maybe in suffering, he can speak to us. We have a high priest who knows what it is to suffer. We speak these truths to our soul and we live them out. And finally, in confusion in the world where, you know, we're with a group of friends and we're out having a drink and they're like, oh, my truth, your truth, you can believe this. And I know the one who is truth. And he reveals to me and he speaks to me. And so we can have this foundation of knowing the spirit of truth actively working in our lives. There's a beautiful hymn that says, the spirit breathes upon the word and brings the truth to sight. So church, family, let us be those who soak ourselves in the word and in the spirit as we live for the glory of God. Band, could we ask you to come up? We just wanted to give loads of time to respond. We have a lot of time. So we are the priesthood of all believers. Whether you want to sit, whether you want to stand, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But this is time now to just receive. We've got three things to respond to, but the Holy Spirit's going to do what he wants to do in this place. We've just heard about how wonderful he is. He loves to help, to convict and show us, don't go that way, ah, go this way. This way's going to be good, it's better. And he's the one who shows us truth. Maybe you just want to have your mind blown by who he is again in this place. Yeah. So just, yeah, first... First and foremost, maybe some of us need to have a fresh encounter with the holiness of God. Where you need to be undone again before him. Maybe for the first time, the hundredth time, allow him to bring things to mind. Have no no-go areas, because it always ends with treasuring, worshipping the righteous one, Jesus. We've just got time here to repent. repent. Find someone you trust. Maybe there's something you've never shared. Find someone you trust, please. It's for your good. It's for his glory. Might be that the spirit of truth, you just need to allow the Holy Spirit to just remind you of some truths about who he is and who you are in him. And the Holy Spirit, he can come in a moment and it's we need it. I sometimes need a big old slap in the face. (laughs) But sometimes we just need that gentle whisper of the loving God to speak truth into our very souls. And finally, some of us, all of us who know Jesus, we want a fresh filling of his Holy Spirit, right? Filled to overflow so that we step in to the story of the master plan of what God declared on Pentecost. We step into the story, fill me to overflow. I abide so I can be a witness. I cling to you, Jesus, I'm filled with you so I can go out and tell others about your holiness, about your righteousness, Jesus. Would you just stand with us?